Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. You are listening to episode number 40 already, and it is the holiday weekend. I am so excited for this weekend. I have some family in town, my very first California Christmas. And I'll be keeping with the sports theme this weekend as I'll be heading to the Rams and Broncos game on Christmas Day. I hope you guys all have a very merry Christmas and a happy holiday weekend. Now heading to the ice, the last time out for the Anaheim Ducks was their game on Wednesday night at Honda Center when they hosted the Minnesota Wild. And it may have been a good start for the team, but they just did not have the energy to stay in it or stay out of the box, really. It was a 4-1 to loss for the Ducks and a win on the other side for Marc-Andre Fleury in the net. So here are AD's takeaways now from the Wednesday night game. Anaheim struggled with penalties, taking six of them on the night and with the Wild capitalizing on one of their power play opportunities going one for six. This was definitely an early issue that the team had this season and they continue to have it throughout the year. It seems that they might have fixed it a little bit in some recent games, but Wednesday night just really fell back into it. Head coach Dallas Aikens shared his thoughts on the impact that that had on the game in the postgame. And... You know, I think we're third or fourth in the league right now uh, at being penalized, and, and it's and it has to stop. Um, it, it's not like we're the late seventy Flyers and we're out there pounding away on teams. The, the game's greatly, greatly changed, and to take that many penalties, and, and you're right with the assessment that throws you off because when the games are going well, there's a rhythm to the game. There's a rhythm to it, and when the penalties start, it throws everything off. You start killing your killers, and then your other guys are sitting there cold coming off the bench. And it's not like any of those penalties were saving goals. It wasn't like any of those penalties were real hard hits, uh, you know, putting some punishment on somebody. It, those were just stick penalties, and we, we have to get away from them. It was kind of an even first period. Once again, both of the teams didn't have a lot of shots on net. It was kind of a steady period, ending scoreless. Some good energy in the beginning from the Ducks, despite them having a back-to-back -back game series. In the net, Lukas Dostal stopped 38 shots of the 42 that he faced, and you have to give him credit for playing the back-to-back games. It's really hard to do that at the NHL level. And the fact that he was able to play both Tuesday night in LA and then come home to Honda Center on Wednesday night and also play for the game, very impressive. And you can imagine that he was pretty tired on Thursday, which is good that the team was able to have their off day. They also held their annual team holiday party on Thursday night at Honda Center. But getting back to the game, one of the things that I did like from the Ducks, they were able to contain the Wilds leader in Kirill Kaprizov. They kept him off the score sheet. This was a big part of emphasis from Dallas before the game. When asked what one of the keys for the game was, well, he said, Kirill in the slot is a dangerous place for him to be. And yes, he was there a couple times throughout the game, but the team was able to manage him. 
I think just overall, there was just not a whole lot of takeaways for me from Wednesday night's game, just besides the depletedness from the penalties that the team had to face throughout the game. Now, the Ducks are hosting the Calgary Flames tonight, that being Friday night for a late 7.30 puck drop. This is also the awaited Wild Wing Nutcracker giveaway for the first 10,000 fans. I love this giveaway, so I hope you can get it if you're coming out to the game tonight. This is the first meeting between the divisional opponents as well this season, the Flames and Ducks. Now, the NHL does have a mandatory three-day off period during Christmas, so we won't see the Ducks back again until Wednesday the 28th when the team hosts the Vegas Golden Knights. Like I said before, lots of hockey around the holidays, so make sure to come out to a game at the Honda Center. Switching gears a little bit, the upcoming World Junior Championship is looming, and I want to highlight a couple of the Ducks prospects that are getting ready to compete. The tournament begins December 26th, and it will run through January 5th, and it's going to be taking place this year in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. The Ducks are one of only two NHL clubs with multiple prospects that are representing Team Canada. On Team Canada, Nathan Gaucher, Tyson Hines, and Olin Zellweger will all be representing the team, all three of them defensemen. Now looking at Gaucher, he's playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League with Quebec right now. The defenseman has 29 points in 24 games played. He was drafted in the first round, 22nd overall in last year's draft by the Ducks. Now for Tyson Hines playing in also the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League with Sherbrooke right now. The defenseman has 27 points in 26 games played. Now he was drafted in the third round, 76th overall in last year's draft as well. And lastly, Zellweger is playing in the Western Hockey League with Everett right now. He has 28 points in 23 games played. He was drafted in the second round, 34th overall back in the 2021 draft. Some other interesting pieces to note, Gaucher and Zellweger both won gold in the 2022 tournament with Canada and Heinz will be taking part for the first time. Zellweger also became the highest scoring 18 or younger defenseman with 11 points in the tournament last time. Team Canada will play in Group A and they'll be with Sweden, Czechia, Germany and Austria. Game one for the team will take place against Czechia on Monday the 26th at 3.30 Pacific time on NHL Network. NHL Network will be the host for all of the games for the 15th consecutive year for this tournament. So if you're looking to tune in and check out some of the Ducks prospects, make sure to do so on NHL Network. Let's move along to go coast to coast to hear some of the best goal calls from around the NHL. The Nashville Predators and Chicago Blackhawks facing off on Wednesday night. Roman Yossi became the new leader in all-time points in Predators history with his backhander against the Hawks on Wednesday. This was his 567th point. The Predators won the game 4-2, and they now have 32 points in the Central Division. Listen to the call from Pete Weber. Steal back. Forsberg to Granlin in front. Oh, Can't get my. the tip from Parsonen with a wide open net. Parsonen still roving. McDonough up top. Parsonen above the right circle. McDonough left point. 
Yossi down low, left goal line. Backhand shot and he scores! <laughs> what a goal by Roman Yossi to tie the all-time Preds career points record. The captain ties David Legwand in style and the Preds lead 3-2 with 18.33 left. The Vancouver Canucks and Seattle Kraken faced off on Thursday, and it was a high-scoring affair, a 6-5 shootout win for the Canucks. Elias Pettersson was the spark and led the team with five points on the night, two goals and three assists, and the shootout winner. And in that, he had the huge goal in the third period, under two minutes to tie up the game to force overtime. And also to note, this was his first game back after an illness that had him off skates for six days. Here are the call of the game-tying goal from Brendan Batchelor. Back to Hughes, top of the point, right circle, Pedersen one-timer, Jones made the save, and Miller gets it again on the left wing. 85 seconds left in the third. Hughes with a one-timer for the line. Hit a skate in front. Rebound comes to Miller. Over to Pedersen. He scores! Elias Pedersen has his second goal and fifth point of the game as he fires up the crowd going back to the Vancouver bench. And the game is tied at five with 1.20 left in the third. He's got the Midas touch tonight. Everything he touches turns into gold. And JT Miller with an excellent cross-ice feed to give Pedersen the puck as there's a scramble in front of the net. The rebound pops loose to JT Miller on the left-hand side and makes an excellent cross-ice feed to Pedersen who is ready to fire, and he ties up the game. Next up, the New York Rangers and New York Islanders faced off on Thursday. The Rangers got back on track in this game with a 5-3 win at MSG. Even though the Islanders have the lead for the majority of the game, New York found a way to fight back in this one. And the Rangers are now 8-2 in their last 10 games. Keandre Miller from the corner found Capo Caco in front of the net, and then he found the back of the net. Hear the call from Madison Square Garden Radio Network. One for six, center, yeah. pass to Kako, they score! Get the five on five! It was Miller that finds Kako, it's 4-3 Rangers! And the last call in today's Coast to Coast, the Washington Capitals and Ottawa Senators game on Thursday. The Caps getting a 3-2 overtime win. This is now their third win in a row. And a big part of that, Alex Ovechkin had two assists on the night and officially got the record for the most shots in NHL history at 6,210. And then moving to overtime, Marcus Johansson sent an absolute missile past Cam Talbot to win it. John Walton has the call of Ovi's moment and then also the overtime winning goal. That last shot by Alex Ovechkin is actually NHL history. It is not necessarily what the folks here in Ottawa or the folks in Washington would come to see, but he now has the most shots on goal in National Hockey League history. He passes Ray Bork. The record was 62.09. He now has 62.11 after that last exchange. So history here at Canadian Tire Center tonight. Alex Ovechkin, the most shots on goal in National Hockey League history, but Cam Talbot stopping them all right now. Left side, Sherry cuts in, backhand, and he can't get it to go. Laying out on his stomach was Talbot. Connor Sherry had a chance for a game winner. 
Now it's Kuznetsov in behind the goal, and Gustafson just going to skate this out to center to get a line change for his team. Three minutes left. Here's Marcus Johansson. He scores! MJ90 with the game-winning goal in overtime. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Ottawa. The Capitals with a 3-2 overtime thriller against the Ottawa Senators. Before we get into the holiday break, the Ducks are hosting the Calgary Flames tonight, that being Friday. And for more on that matchup, Brendan Parker joined the show today. This is the end of Calgary's road trip to California, where they found a bit of success thus far. You can hear more in this next segment. Joining Light the Lamp now is Flames TV host Brendan Parker, ahead of the first meeting between the Calgary Flames and Anaheim Ducks this season. Brendan, I know you made the trip out here, and I'm sure it's great timing with the crazy weather that North America is getting right now. Yeah, no question. I'm getting <laughs> updates from back home, and uh, the updates aren't good. So uh, <laughs> we'll take one more day in the California sunshine for sure, and then obviously back in time for Christmas. But uh, I think we might, at least in our part, uh, back in Calgary, might be at the tail end of the worst of it. So uh, family back home won't be super happy that I missed uh, the minus 30, uh, <laughs> minus 35 or 40 in some cases. But um, but we'll take it. I think we'll come back to something a little bit more in the uh, minus 15 Celsius, of course. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll enjoy the sunshine for one more day at least. And hopefully the travel back home is all good for the team and you guys when you do get to go back home, uh, you know, whether it's tonight or tomorrow. But I want to talk a little bit about you and a little bit of your background so Ducks fans can get to know um, some a little bit about you as well. So, Brendan, when did you join the Flames and in particular in your role as their Flames TV host? Yeah, so uh, my background, uh, I'm actually from uh, Saskatchewan originally, but uh, moved to Calgary, I'd say about 13 years ago. I worked in uh, like local sports, so it was uh, called Global Television at the time. And um, yeah, so I got to, I was around the rink enough and got to know all the contacts around there and, and covered the team from from a new standpoint uh, on the sports side. And then uh, it was about three years, just over three years ago, coming up on four, actually, uh, when I started with the Calgary Flames and kind of a position that's evolved over time. And, I, you know, you kind of look around the league and uh, we were just chatting about uh, about your position there. And I think, you know, it's something that I think a lot of teams are starting to do more of, which is great and producing a lot of their own content and something that's kind of evolved, uh, at least with the Calgary Flames now for you know, maybe the last five to seven years. And I luckily got to step in uh, just after their trip to China. It was the year they had uh, the China preseason game. So yeah. I missed the trip to China and then joined them for that year. So 2018, 2019. And, um, you know, obviously we've been through a few different things uh, globally, pandemic wise in the mm -hmm. middle of that. But um, I do a lot of the traveling now and, uh, you know, we do interviews and, and you know, we've evolved kind of our, our, um, our main focus into kind of live pregame and postgame shows and just trying to provide our fans uh, much like you guys with as much content as possible. And, um, and obviously hope, trying to keep, you know, things fun too, and, and have some fun with the guys and get to know, uh, you know, let fans get to know the players uh, just as much in the process. Do you have a favorite piece of content that you've gotten to produce, whether it was this year or last year, even, you know what? I, I always think that, um, you know, some of the times that, that you can produce the best content is actually in the off season. I think mm -hmm. that's been some of our best uh, content in particular this summer. Um, you know, just in season, it's so busy as you know, like with games every other day, 
that it's hard sometimes to get players, you know, away from the rink or, Mm -hmm. you know, to do some of those fun things, get to really introduce your audience to the personal side of it. And so this summer we actually went and spent some time with Blake Coleman down in his town, uh, hometown in Frisco, Texas, and spent some time with his family. And then uh, went out onto uh, Daryl Sutter's farm, uh, the legendary <laughs> farm just uh, north of Calgary in Viking, Alberta. And uh, he treated us to a little tour of his land. Mm. And so I always think that that's the best stuff is trying to see kind of what their life is like away from the rink and really, uh, you know, kind of understanding what makes players and coaches tick. And, uh, and in Daryl's case, uh, farm is life. And he's been that way all, all the way uh, from day number one. So we went and saw his original farmland where he grew up and he showed us some of the memorabilia. and. Uh, it was really cool. So if you if you want to see what uh, life is like on the farm with Daryl Sutter, that's on our YouTube page. I'm gonna have to check that out. I was gonna ask, was there anything that surprised you when you went on that trip to see his farm? I don't know if surprised. <laughs> you know, I, I think you knew that he had a huge uh, plot of land, but I think when you see it in person, it would just go miles and miles, and uh, I, I think you kind of. You, you wonder how much work it is to maintain all that. First of all, I mean, he's got, I think it was like somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 head of cattle too. And wow. obviously they, they actively farm and he's got some, some, you know, crews that help him out with that. But it, I think it's just the magnitude of how much land that is and how much pride he has in the land. I think that was, was kind of cool. But, uh, and, and that in the memorabilia, there was so much stuff mm-hmm. there that belongs in a hall of fame that was, you know, he had up hanging in his garage in his workshop um, stuff that, you know, you could never even imagine having in your possession that just was part of his journey along the way. So I think that those were the two things that stood out about it. It was really cool. Now, one of the things I noticed on your Instagram in particular is your outdoor rink that you built for your family. Yeah. Is that something that you do every year? Three years now. Yeah. Okay. It's three years. Uh, and it, I was, I was going to say it gets better every year. It <laughs> does, it's a real science that I'm mm-hmm. not sure I, fully uh understand yet but the first year uh it had some it had some problems some some uh <laughs> some issues with uh flooding potential flooding we we saved it we salvaged it but it it is uh it is the third year and it's awesome it's not huge but we we absolutely love it and uh it's kind of funny because you leave for a week and in calgary we get chinooks so we get you know plus temperatures and so you never know what you're coming back to in this case, I think it'll be uh, more than frozen and, and in good shape when I get back, uh, given the temperatures. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of work, but I got three kids and they love it. And uh, it's worth every every ounce of it. That's so awesome that you can share hockey with them, too, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not and, you know, you don't need a lot of space, which is the one thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that they can go and throw the skates on in the backyard is uh, really cool. And it's unique, obviously, to uh to where we're at. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it, uh, it's, it's created some great memories and, uh, it's helped, helped, uh, the, the two younger ones, especially learn how to get, <laughs> get involved in hockey. And now they're taking it to the next step. So it's pretty fun. Well, let's talk a little bit about the flames and this season. Obviously there were some adjustments in the off season that changed the outlook really for the team this year. Um, how do you think that the group has adjusted to those changes, especially in the personnel side? Yeah, I think it's it's probably understandably taken a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we we kind of expected that to a certain extent, but I, I think you know expectations were still pretty high from the fan base and from everybody outside looking and, and internally, obviously as well. Um, you know, but I think there it's probably taken you know more time in terms of just the chemistry and trying to figure out where everyone fits than maybe initially you would have thought. And I think you know now we're past the thirty game mark, but we're seeing some of the 
some of those signs now that it is starting to, you know, to really evolve and to really find, you know, the right pieces and right places for, for those guys. And, you know, Jonathan Huberto is, he's been really good in the month of December. Uh, Mackenzie Weger has been a real mainstay on the back end. I think for those guys, it's a big change, right. Coming from the only team they ever played in their national hockey league career. And then, and then Huberto's case, a franchise leader for the Panthers, and then really just trying to find, you know, where you fit, who you might gel with. And, and part of that's even off the ice. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, now that we're 30 games in, uh, I think we're starting to see kind of what this team, you know, can be and, and, and probably should be. So, you know, it's good signs moving into Christmas. I know their goal uh, was basically to find themselves in a playoff spot before the Christmas break. And I think right now, one point out and uh, an opportunity with a win here against Anaheim if they can if they can find that then uh, they would have a chance to get into a playoff spot so you know you're right in the conversation I think that's all that matters and uh, and there's still a big chunk of the season left but some good signs uh, as of late for sure and when you look at the road trip that they're on right now I mean it's kind of nice that they've only had to stay they've only been in California two games in San Jose the game in LA last night and then being in Anaheim I don't think that the travel necessarily is too rough on this one and I know that's a topic that it can really wear teams down so looking at this road trip that you guys have had so far and uh how do you think that the players you know have handled it yeah it's interesting because um you know kind of going back to the pandemic here uh we were in the northern division and saw these kind of like foreign four straight games against one team. And obviously we're not going back to that. And probably thankfully so when you Mm -hmm. only played seven teams throughout the whole year, but I think they kind of stole an element of it in playing uh, two road games back to back. That was the first time uh, at least I've done that in my time. So to spend back to back games in San Jose, it eliminates a flight. You don't have to go back to San Mm -hmm. Jose later in the year. You've knocked out both, both games. We do that twice this year. There's another one in St. Louis where you kind of do the same thing. And I think it does help a lot. Uh, you know, there's no flight, there's no extra flight, um, staying in the ho- same hotel for, you know, four days. They actually practiced in San Jose, which is rare on the road these days, mm-hmm. just the way the schedule works. So there's certainly an advantage and this is, and then a bus last night in Anaheim. And so you, you, you know, you don't have travel really as an excuse throughout this whole trip. And, um, you know, at this time of year, you played a lot of hockey in the month of December, you know, you're playing over half the month and, uh, outside of the Christmas break. So any, any advantage, any opportunity you can get where you can, can practice and, and get some rest and recovery time, I think you take full advantage. And that's probably part of what we've seen here on this road trip. They've had their legs and they've had good energy in every game and would expect nothing less tonight. But uh, certainly the schedule leading into the Christmas break was, was nice for sure. With their game in L.A. against the Kings going over to going to overtime and then, you know, they got a point in this one. What did you see out of the team last night in particular that you liked? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in talking with a bunch of the guys uh, last night and, and even this morning, I think they were, they probably felt like, um, you know, they could have done a little bit more in the opening 40 minutes. I, you know, mm-hmm. they scored first, which is great, but LA kind of really pushed at the end of the first and, you know, they got the equalizer, but, uh, but they probably had the bulk of the chances. I think the second period they were better. And then there was just a little bit of a lapse in the early part of the third and they scored twice in 10 seconds. And you kind of wonder, you know, what that period was going to look like, but really outside of that first, you know, 90 seconds to two minutes, I thought Calgary was the better team throughout the third period. And, and, you know, a couple of guys have even said, you know, when you're playing LA, you kind of expect to be sort of lulled to sleep a little bit. They like to play that trap style game. And so when you get down two in a third period against that team, you know, that's making life a little bit difficult, but 
you know, full marks to Calgary to battle back the way they did. And, you know, I think even Nikita said this morning, it's, it's kind of a boring style of game, Nikita Zadorov. And, you know, you have to fight through that. And, uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing I take away from it is the fact that they've somehow found a way to, to get that single point. And, and, you know, given where they were 90 seconds into the third period, that would have been, you know, up in the air last night. So I think there were some positives, but I, I, th- I think they can get back to more of what we saw in San Jose and start, you know, kind of dictating things a little bit more when this team has possession plays with speed, you know, they can be difficult to deal with, but you know, you got to have the puck a little bit more than they did last night in LA. From talking with them this morning, the group, I mean, what are some of the things that you've mentioned maybe that were takeaways from the game in LA that they'll have to take into tonight's game against the ducks? Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably more the the consistency, which is something that's come up at different points in this year. Um, you know, some some stretches they've had really good starts and then have maybe dropped back in in the second or or you know third periods, and then other stretches they've had a hard time starting on time. And if you play from behind, it obviously is difficult in this league. Um, you know, so I think for them, it's just about trying to find that hole or as, as, as difficult as it may be, as close to a 60-minute performance as you can. I think, you know, again, last night they, they get the lead, but then it was almost like L.A. kind of took over the rest of that first period. So to, to me, it's about, you know, trying to find as close to you can as a, you know, to a 60-minute performance and, and really start to dictate right off the bat. I mean, this team has been so much better when they've scored early and played with the lead, and, and it's just kind of the way that this team's built. Um, you know, they've scored here you know, quite a bit as of late, but offense isn't always something that comes easy to this group, uh, given the number of chances they've had and the number of shots they create and just, you know, where they're at in terms of goals for this season. So if you play with the lead, this team is, is always a lot better up one or two early on. Now on the offensive end, I know Elias Lindholm is leading the team right now with 32 points. I mean, not having Gaudreau this year and Kachuk, two of the leaders on the offensive end last season and previously, how has Lindholm had to step up in that role and really try to fill that a little bit? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you lose two 40 goal scorers mm-hmm. last year and, you know, Daryl Sutter's brought that up a couple of times. That That's not something that's easy to just fill right away. And I think that's kind of goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier is trying to find roles for everybody. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Nazem Kadri uh, is right up at the top of the uh, goal scoring uh, list when it comes to this team. I think Tyler Toffoli leads with 14, but Kadri's right behind him with 13. You know, so he's fit that piece really well. Huberto just scored his sixth of the season last night, but in terms of points, and he's always been, you know, a playmaker first, a guy who, you know, pass first uh, option. And he's, as a, you know, as I was talking about, it just seems like his production and his consistency has really come up in the month of December. And I think he's in double digit points through, you know, the last 10 or 11 games here. So, you know, it's not easy to replace the 40 mm-hmm. goals. Um, Lindholm is kind of right back to where he was, you know, one year ago. And now it's, it, as it has been with this group, it's all about kind of that guy, the, the group in that 25 and under kind of category. I think Dylan Dubé is one guy that, um, you know, if you're, if you're a Ducks fan here tonight, just watching from an outside looking in Dylan Dubé, number 29, is just the guy that's exploded here in the last two weeks. He's got such great speed and, uh, he's playing on a line with Tyler Toffoli and Elias Lindholm right now. And I think his speed really complements. Hmm. Um, you know, that line. And then you've got two trigger guys in Lindholm who can finish with the best of them. And then obviously Tyler Toffoli, who has been on a nice little stretch here. So I think, you know, if you're looking for somebody who doesn't necessarily jump off in terms of star star power on the flames, it's right now number number 29, Dylan Dubé for me, and just what he's been able to create on uh, on the wing with Lindholm and Toffoli. 
Brendan, one more question before I let you go. Do you have any holiday traditions that you're excited to get to this weekend, especially with the three days off that the NHL is giving teams? You know what? It's, uh, I mean, the tradition is always, is gifts always uh, Christmas Day morning. So that there's, there's already tons of excitement in the house uh, for sure for that. So that'll be exciting on, uh, on the 25th. And then for us, it's actually, it's, it's really just been about the outdoor rinks. Usually we try and go as a family and go spend some time outside, uh, whether it be tobogganing, uh, hopefully a skate or two, and then, uh, and really just try to enjoy it. I mean, those days will fly by quick and mm -hmm. we'll be back in the rink on the 27th, as you know. So, um, but, but hopefully, hopefully it's nice enough that we can actually get outside and go for a little family skate and actually enjoy some of the fruits of the labor. Brendan Parker. Great to have you here on duck stream. We'll see you tonight at the game. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. And now it's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. Merry Christmas. I hope those who celebrate enjoy the weekend with friends and family. I will not have an episode on Monday taking the day off to continue celebrating the holidays. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again for more hockey talk right here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.